0: Everybody to episode nine, Unhacked. I love that name because it's kind of a misnomer on purpose. Uh, you can't get Unhacked. That's kind of the point of the podcast. So um, I'm going to do a quick introduction. We'll go ahead and review why we're here, what we're trying to accomplish, uh, and then we're going to dig into the breach of the week. So uh, my name's Justin Shelley. I'm with Master Computing, and I'm here with Brian and Mario. Will you guys please introduce yourself, starting with Brian?
1: <laughs> yeah, Brian Lashbro with b 4 Networks, um, based out of uh, Niagara fall, or Niagara Region in Ontario, Canada, um, and we do computer support for small businesses throughout Niagara.
2: Mario, uh, Mario Zaki with Mastech. Uh, we are a managed service provider in the New Jersey area, servicing the tri-state um, area with um, New York and New Jersey.
0: All right. Like I said, I'm Justin. With Master Computing soon to be Phoenix IT Advisors, I've always hated my company name and I finally <laughs> pulled the trigger to change it. So <laughs> uh, that's worth the longer conversation that doesn't really belong here, but uh, here we are. So Unhack is a breakdown of real data breaches that we find out there. Um, we wanna talk about how they impact real, real people, how they happened what we can learn from them so that we can prevent the same damn thing from happening to us. Cause here's the problem guys. And you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but in our industry, we are charged with protecting all of our clients from the most God awful thing that can happen to a business. Because if somebody gets hacked, not only does it cost a fortune, it can put them out of business, right? Um, generally speaking, how much of this information is shared with the public or even inside the community on how, you know, the, the real details of a breach, do you guys know, like when we're going to talk about it today, this is one of our frustrations as we're prepping, right? There's just not that much information out there. So uh, point of the podcast is we're going to get everything that we can. And um, I think it's pretty safe to say that most of these breaches happen. There's, there's a few ways that they happen. Um, and if we take the, the recommended measures at preventing them, we can prevent most of them. Fair? Because how many push back
1: on that? Oh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I, ironically, if they don't share the information on how um, the hacks occur, it makes it very difficult for us to learn from them. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll dive into that, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, a little frustrating uh, part of our industry. So let's go ahead and introduce today's topic. And Brian, we're uh, we're moving up to Canada today, eh?
1: Yeah, we're definitely moving into my territory. Uh, in fact, it's uh, literally in in my backyard. Um, just uh, just last year, the end of the year, around um, October, November, December, um, five of the local hospitals in the region, right next to mine, uh, were hacked. Uh, these are government-owned hospitals. Um, all five of them are sharing one local health integration network, and um, they were breached, um, which caused. Everything we're about to discuss, so big, big organization with big consequences.
0: And let me put one disclaimer out there uh, to our listening audience and um, lawyers who may be listening: We don't know anything. All right, we're we're <laughs> reading the news, um, we're we're making assumptions, and we're talking about industry best practices, industry standards. Right. Um, cause like we said, we don't know, and we're going to talk about what we think may have happened. We're going to talk about what other people think may have happened, but we don't have any true inside information and we are not trying to say anything bad about the people who were the victims. And I want to remind everybody, these are the victims we're talking about today, not the perpetrators. We, those assholes by the way, are we we'll to talk about that more, but they're hidden. They're, they're behind, uh, Cryptocurrency—they hide behind that, so they're hidden behind government institutions. Sometimes, um, I mean, it's—it's it's ugly trying to trace them down. So all we're really left to do is talk about the victims, and that sucks. But here we are. So in no way, shape, or form am I, or is Brian, or Mario, saying anything negative about the victims of this crime, which is the hospital system, the government that runs them, and the patients that are a part of it. Okay. That's so sick, with that disclaimer. Patients. Sick patients. Yeah. I mean, like this is life and death, literally life and death. Um, And we've got people out there taking advantage of it for a few bucks. Well, a lot of bucks. Um, Spoiler alert. They didn't get paid this time. So. um, All right, Brian, uh, since this is in your neck of the woods, tell me, um, like, give me just a couple of points to work with on what was the actual impact. So it's it wasn't your hospital that you would have to go to in an emergency. Is that correct?
1: No, like we're, I'm in a region right next door. So we're part of the Niagara region, local health integration network. This is the, the Southern Ontario uh, local health integration network. So it's just like almost next door. I could drive there in an hour and a half, two hours uh, and be, and be over there. Um, And so, um, you know, some of the impacts of this is that the staff, um, the hospital, they were unable to access any of the critical information that, um, that they needed access to patient records and, and appointments. In fact, they had to cancel, um, well over 3000, um, I think it's 3000, um, no, 20,000 patients. Sorry, my apologies. 20,000 patients had their appointments canceled across the five hospitals. And some of these people could have had, and I'm, I'm just guessing here, but surgeries or, or life, life, uh, you know, um, altering um procedures that needed to be done and uh, weren't able to have them done and it's not like um you can just drive you know uh, to the next hospital over like that's the entire region they would have had to come into my neck of the woods
0: hospital got uh, hacked too right
1: well, yeah, all they're the five of them in that whole yeah. area got hacked because they're all together, which means that, you know, they could certainly go to other regions um, within Ontario, but they, they've got their own backlog and, um, you know, uh, there, there's no way they could have handled all those those patients. Yeah, I mean, we've got yeah, real imagine.
2: consequences. Go ahead, Mario. Twenty thousand patients now trying to travel, you know, an hour and a half, yeah. two hours out of the area, and this is, and those would be essentially like emergency room patients, actually, that would be traveling, you know, people that broke their arm, people, you know, with chest pains and stuff like that. You can't, you know, the patients that cannot move somewhere else, like a surgery or people, you know, waiting for their chemotherapy or radiation. You can't just go to another hospital and say. Hey, I'm here for my, you know, my daily radiation. You know, like you have to speak to your oncologist, they have to put you on a special plan and all that stuff. All that stuff is documented in your chart that is not now available to anybody because everything's now, um, you know, locked down and encrypted. So you can, they can't even look up your dosage and see what kind of medicine you need for that day or kind of radiation you need for that day.
0: Right. And I'm going to skip around a little bit, Mario. But um, you talk like you might know, have a little inside information on how the hospitals work. Because I'm an IT guy, and I don't know anything about what you're talking. I mean, you know, common sense. But uh, you got a little inside scoop there, maybe, huh?
2: Well, yeah, I, my, uh, my wife works as a elite PA in, uh, a hospital in New York. Uh, and when we decided that we were going to have this as our topic for our podcast, I, I, kind of, uh, interviewed her and asked her some questions. She actually told me to look up, to watch like some episode, I forgot on what show, but she essentially told me that, um, you know, even though her hospital has never been hacked with something like this, there has been times where the entire infrastructure, the entire IT has been down. And it, it just completely is becomes a nightmare for the entire staff to look up charts or even to document charts. Um, you know, the nurses are not able to go to what she calls or uh, they call the PIC system and dispense like medicine just for, you know, being just in the emergency room, um, uh, there. Are, you know. Uh, you know. Sometimes also when you want to dispense a medicine, you're not even able to see if that medicine's conflicting with another medication that you're on. Um, and she was telling me like, you know, there's t- times where uh, they had to turn patients away, or or even you know they're only able to limit to what they can do. You know, the broken arms, the you know, um, you know, the yeah. doing EKGs and stuff like that. But uh, even then, sometimes all those other systems are networked to their main infrastructure and even basic stuff like monitoring and stuff like that, they weren't able to, to be uh, used, you know, and, you know, they have to reschedule whatever they can. And, you know, waiting rooms backed up like four or five, six hours at a time.
0: Yeah, Crazy stuff. I've got a uh, kind of a former client, but we help them with uh, radi- radiology implementation. Uh, We get the system up and running and then uh, it would go down. There was major problems with the manufacturer, but um, yeah, we had patients who were coming in for cancer treatment, like you're talking about, and, you know, they want their results or they want their next treatment and they can't get them. And this is again, not a breach, but still when, when you can't get access to that information, there's a a life and death toll on, on in play. There's a huge emotional cost Um, and then, you know, speaking to the hospital, their perspective, 20,000 appointments, like that, that's money. And people love to complain these days about businesses who want to make money, but I'm sorry, if you're not making money, you're not a business. And if the hospital's not there, they can't treat you. So, um, you know, that, that's another real significant factor here is the cost, the emotional, the physical, the health cost, and the financial cost is just devastating. For something yeah. like this, so
1: in this particular case, these hospitals don't run as a business because they are government owned, um, right? It's all paid for for the most part, but they still would have to pay all those those doctors and all of the the staff to continue to pay them, even though they're not working. Which means there is still a significant cost on the organization as a whole, and then you still got to catch up on all of those procedures at well, some point the, or yeah. another pay well, overtime and the to do them all
0: right the people think that because the government's paying for it that that is an well, endless money. of money but you
1: know
0: <laughs> right i mean that money's got to come from somewhere yeah. eventually so exactly um the, yeah. the cost the financial cost is very real and very significant Absolutely. Uh, whether it's a government or or private and you know i know none of us really yeah, and, and uh, yeah. I, don't yeah. yeah. I don't care about the government but you know
1: um yeah yeah In this particular case, there was um, approximately 267,000 patient information leaked, which, you know, some of them had to get some sort of credit monitoring done. That was one of the things they were talking about in the news uh, about how they're paying for credit monitoring. Now, I'm not going to assume all 267,000 people were, but let's just say they were. That's millions and millions of dollars just to pay for credit monitoring for for those folks, right? And then there was of course, you know, over three thousand staff members that had their information leaked. Who wants to work for a company that doesn't necessarily treat their information, you know, with with the utmost care? Uh, And again, I'm not blaming the hospital or the hospital staff, but the the perception in the public and you alluded to this, Justin, the perception in the public is always to blame the victim in this particular case. Right. Um, Cyber attacks they always look at the the victim and blame them and say like well you could have done more you could have done this you could have done that and you know in some cases they can but the reality is is that you know they're not entirely the ones to blame the criminals are but from the public perception they're the ones who are going to get blamed
0: yeah so. and and we are just to be fair we are going to come back and we're gonna poke at him a little bit right because that's what we yeah. do um with the disclaimer that i'll say again we don't have any inside information but we yeah. will talk about um you know what what should be done in all cases what we can kind of guess at what probably was part of the cause here um but yeah so we'll we'll come back to that we'll dive into that a little bit more uh what else as far as hospital impact or patient impact do we have, have we caught everything or we missed some
2: well, uh, well there's believe... no oh go ahead mario so, i believe um Brian, correct me if I was wrong, they were down for over a week, right?
1: A lot longer than a week, to my knowledge, it, it was it was a couple of weeks. Now they were able to recover and, and some systems and be able to continue servicing the general public for for certain items, but by and large, um, from my understanding, they decided, and we'll touch on this a little bit later, to rebuild the entire system from scratch, which means you know there there's obviously a lot that they were not able to access. So how long? I, you know i I don't even think they're fully well, up they're and still rebuilding now.
0: I'll tell you that yeah if they rebuild from scratch they're still rebuilding you don't yeah. you don't do that in in a few weeks right. or even
1: months but here here's the- that. Here's a little um, you know tidbit there's a class action lawsuit now for 480 million uh, alleging that the cyber uh, criminals or sorry the the uh, the hospitals didn't do enough to protect the data and so even if they they weren't to blame there's this now this like looming lawsuit on them um, and if you know you are a private corporation or private entity, you're on a hook for that right there is no insurance that's going to cover 480 million dollars worth of of a lawsuit right so which is
2: sad because that like since it is a government off uh government facility who's going to be paying you know that half a billion dollars you know it's going to be the taxpayers that's all you know taxes are going to go higher and all of a sudden now everybody that's being or sorry suing is now going to actually be paying for it so it's uh (laughs) kind of crazy if you ask me that's a good point. <laughs> just, uh, you know, like you're pretty essentially paying for the lawsuit yourself. If, if this I mean, yeah, thing you're spreading it among, among more people. But that's, yeah, that's
0: yeah. a pretty solid point. That's kind of fun. Um, okay, so let's let's kind of transition into um, – and let's, uh, let's poke a little bit and see if we can figure out uh, what happened or at least what lessons we can learn. Because, again, we're just here trying to figure out how to make this not happen to us. Right. It, it not happen again. If we can learn something, um, yeah. then we, we want to. So um, we've already talked about it being five hospitals were attacked. And my understanding and Brian, you're the expert on this case. This was a ransomware attack. Um, they it they was. come in, they hold hold money. Um, and, and I'm going to give Mario, give you a little bit of a airtime here in like three sentences or less. Define a ransomware attack. What is that?
2: A group of criminals that go in and either extract or encrypt your data and request for money.
0: And if I've never been a victim of a ransomware attack... I walk into my office, my company's been ransomed. Um, I turn on my computer and what somebody's holding a gun. Like what what does it mean? What what do they see what's the
2: experience? So essentially, you know, you're not going to be able to open up any of your data, your programs, your documents or anything. Um, you walk in a lot of the times they have like this bright red, you know, background on there that's in a and a word document or a, a you know um, notepad document that's open that says we've encrypted all your data. If you want to, you know, see it again, you have to give us um, X amount of Bitcoins, you know, sent to this untraceable, you know, link. And uh, once we receive it, we'll give you a code that will let you unencrypt your data. Now, when that happens, it's a 50-50 shot if they're going to Give it to you or not if they're going to give you the you know the code to unencrypt your data they can yeah, I mean, because they have no money at that point you know <laughs> there's but, no
1: honor in criminals
2: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> I, no no
0: no hold on right there um <laughs> in my uh in-depth research into this industry um there actually is a code amongst criminals because <laughs> yeah, if, I heard this. well hear me this is a business if if they <laughs> gain the reputation that you pay them millions of dollars that they're asking for and they don't deliver you think anybody else is going to pay so you're goddamn right they they deliver and i don't know what the statistics are i'm guessing you made up the 50 50 because i think it's pretty much i think it's quite a bit higher than that um and what i also know is that they have uh support lines if if they mm-hmm. can't unencrypt they go into whoever wrote the software and like hey help me out you know we we've, yeah. we've got a customer emergency here um, they customer. do want your they do want you back up and running because not just for their reputation but now you're a repeat customer you've raised your hand and said hey i have weak security and i have money yeah yeah that is right? true so they, that it's, is very it's cheaper true. to it's cheaper to repeat business with a customer than it is to go find a new one so of course they want to pay uh, they want you to pay and they want to deliver amazing customer service these are good yeah. guys guys
1: come on Come on. Don't the the so other component enough. here that um, that was missed is, is you know you, a lot of business owners out there will say this and they'll, they'll they've I've heard it said to me many times say well you know I don't really care if I get my data back I'm backing it up and even if I don't get it back who cares right. you know it, it's not that important to me. Well, the rebuttal of that is these criminals have caught on wind of that as well, and now they don't just not give you your information back. They might release it to the public through a data dump and now that information you might not care about it but your customers your patients your uh you know the people that the data pertains to they might care and they might be extremely upset by the fact that you have now been compromised and um you know your data was their data was released because of your actions or lack thereof so it's important to note that yes there's a ransom pay me or you don't get your data back, but it's pay me or you don't get your data back and we'll release it to the public, right?
0: It's some sort of, they want to embarrass, it's extortion, right? No matter how they frame it, it's some version of extortion, it's reputation, it's the the ability to operate, because even if you can restore that process, like we've talked about, what's the process to restore an entire network from backup? Good luck. And we're assuming that all the backups are working flawlessly. How many times when you go to restore from backup? I want you to both throw out a number, percentage of times. And and not yours, because I don't want you to point, you know, don't don't give yourselves away. But when you go into a prospective client (laughs) and you say, Okay, let's test your backups, how often do they work? Prospective clients?
1: Um, It might be a shot in the dark, like 50-50 if they were looking at their log files and they say that they're they're working. Um, If they're not looking at their log files, uh, then in most cases, I find that it hasn't been running or hasn't been working at all. Uh, And or it has been working, but not everything was covered as part of that backup.
2: So. Yeah exactly Mario. sometimes sometimes they they think the whole thing was being backed up but it was only backing up a certain partition or certain folder and it wasn't backing up the whole right. thing. Uh, yeah I would I, I would tend to agree with Brian. I would say about 50 to 60 percent of the time it, it's working.
0: I'm at zero percent. I have never had a customer or a prospective customer come in or a new customer come in and say, hey uh, I've had system failure, here's my backups help me. I've never had that work in 25 years of doing IT work. I've never had it work once. Now, to be fair, I don't get a lot of those, right? That's that's not a daily thing. It's happened a handful of times, but not once has it been successful.
1: Yeah, in most yeah. cases, they're backing up the files, but they're not actually backing up the operating right. system, which means that you know it's still going to take weeks or months to be able to reinstall everything from scratch, reinstall mm-hmm. the software, reconfigure it, and then restore the data. Um, so... Then, but also like- keep
2: in keep in mind restoring that data you may just piss off the, the 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 criminals more because they probably already have a back a back door or you actually backed up right. and restored whatever Correct. they way they came in from and mm-hmm. i've seen it where if you this is not one of my customers you know this was <laughs> a, 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 somebody uh, i knew they actually wiped everything out restored from backup 3 days later they got hit again by the same group and the ransom got doubled because they knew that they tried to they they tried to um to they thought the backup was going to be safe and whatever and they move on with their day three days later they got hit again
0: yeah that i I think i've already said it on here but that's what switched my brain from i'm a computer repair shop to um no i'm uh fighting cybercrime was a client got breached on my watch we did restore from backup um before i even drove back to the office they were encrypted again Uh, we kept going back farther and farther on the timeline with the backups until we finally realized um they've been on here for a long time, you know, and and we did end up rebuilding from scratch. A network of 15 computers, and I have no idea how many are in this hospital system, probably just a touch more than 15. Uh, It took us three weeks to rebuild a network of three computer or uh, sorry, 15 computers with three technicians. Um, good luck, guys, on this hospital <laughs> rebuild. You want, know a
1: really, <laughs> you want to know a really funny story? Um, we once had somebody call us in because they got ransomware and we go in there, and they had backups, so we take a look at the backups, so we, we find a backup or restore it. And it, oddly enough, there, there was still encrypted data, so we look at it, it's, it's not the same encryption and we go back further in a timeline and they had you know another uh, encryption and we're thinking like geez what's going on here um they were encrypted then another virus came in and encrypted them and then another virus came in and encrypted oh, wow. them a third time they had three levels of encryption before they even re- and apparently they didn't access this data very often thankfully but three levels of encryption three different Groups encrypting their information one after the other, like wow. weeks apart, and they didn't notice until then. And we we're, you know, we, we let them know like, well, there's not much we can do here. We can go back all the way to, you know, when the original one was done. But if you're if you've been backing up over top of the old stuff, like you're overriding all that good stuff with all the bad stuff, right? So
2: if you so get encrypted at, at three levels, like like what are they clicking on? What are these guys? Okay, exactly. That's uh, I want to take well, this as a
0: transition. Yes, this is a segue to. Yeah. What are we doing wrong? Because I'm I, I do try to be pretty fair to the people who get breached. They are victims. However, Brian, the one you just cited, like, come on.
1: OK, I mean, so I, could, I could tell you the story. This particular <laughs> um, uh, organization um, had a server and the the owner's son had access because he's, you know, the the local guru in the family, and he was running a Bitcoin mining farm on the server using pirated software. And of course, you know, when you're doing stuff that's not necessarily legal, you know, not that Bitcoin mining is, is illegal, but, you know, doing it on somebody's network, corporate network, that's even if it's your parent or, or, or somebody, you know, I'm pretty sure they weren't intending for them to do that. Right, and so that somehow allowed other bad actors to get in because they were using software that wasn't vetted. It was just software that was put out there by the public or, or by somebody online. And it was like, hey, this software looks good. I'm going to use that to mine Bitcoin. And next thing you know, um, bad actors had access to it multiple times in different ways. So, yeah. So
0: any is it safe to say, fair to say, that any um, so-called IT expert? Could have looked at that scenario and identified it as not a best par- practice.
2: I think that's safe to or, say. Oh, yes.
1: anybody who's yeah, anybody's worth their their yeah, they, they would not okay. They would not have approved. So so let's let's talk about best
0: practices um, and let's start throwing some theories around what happened at this hospital. Uh, what we we know a couple of things that really are conjecture by somebody else. Um, but let's let's look at what probably or possibly happened here for the bad guys to get in.
1: Sure. Yeah. I Anybody can, I can dive in around? there. Just the, just the first part there, how, how we suspect, because I did read um, up on this a little bit. Um, and according to a couple of experts, I won't mention names. You can certainly look through, through news articles, if you're really interested, But according to a couple or one of the experts, anyway, um, it's possible that the, the hospitals um, and he's worked with hospitals in the past avoided installing updates Because they're 24-7, so they avoided installing security updates to prevent any kind of system downtime because they're 24 hours a day. They didn't want to risk that. And he says he's encountered hospitals that hadn't installed security patches for years after they were released, right? so. We all know that any software made by human beings is flawed and they're constantly being updated by the software developers because they're constantly finding holes and bugs. I couldn't imagine having systems with no security updates for years. I mean, you toss one of those suckers anywhere and it'll get infected within a matter of minutes.
2: They're called security updates for a reason. You know, yeah. there's obviously somebody identified that there's an issue with whatever program out there, and they're releasing a security update. So, uh, you know, it's bad when you don't really when you don't install a security update. You know, beyond like a week or two, but when you go for years, that's that that is a little. um like, so this reminds
0: looking. me a lot of WannaCry. You guys remember WannaCry? I do. Yeah. Um yeah. that was huge. And and I this is uh, it listen, this is like seven years ago, and I'm an old man and I don't remember stuff the way I used to, but it was one year, to, to my knowledge. One year. Well, but it, that the the patch had been out for a year, right? The
1: patch had been out for over a year before yeah. it was released, and then millions yeah. and millions of people were infected. That means millions and millions of people didn't install patches for over a year. Ugh.
0: Right, right. Crazy, okay. So that's, um, there's one key takeaway. Again, we don't know that that's what happened here, but uh, we know that it is a problem. We know that, uh, and, and by the way, I'll, I'll come to their defense a little bit. When you do have an operation that runs 24 seven and you as the IT guy who's been charged with the security of your whole network, because it's your job, and your boss just says do it, and then you go to your boss and say, hey, in order to make the place secure, I've got to take your servers down overnight, and they're like, no, you can't do that. Okay, so now what, right? And whose job is it? Who, who gets the ultimate say, and who's ultimately responsible, um, and especially when you've got um, large organizations, when you've got government, aka politics? Um, I mean it, it sounds simple, just patch your stuff, but it really isn't always that simple, right?
2: Yeah, I mean for the same same things that we mentioned earlier, you know, when the system is down. What happens, you know, waiting room builds up, you know, you can't do, you know, charts, you can't do dispense. So that's why they're hesitant to bring the system down. But, you know, at least they're bringing it down in a controlled environment. The reason, you know, they're, they're doing it. And, you know, with a conversation with my wife, you know, it happens, you know, like it doesn't happen on a weekly basis, but every couple months they will schedule say, Hey, you know, on Tuesday, you know, they try to pick the slowest to You know, like usually, you know, the middle of the week where it's not, you know, it's not a weekend, it's the middle of the week, in the middle of the night, or from, yeah, from 2 (laughs) a.m. to 5 a.m., the system will be unavailable while we do some routine maintenance. Everybody has heard those words before. Um, it needs, it needs to be done. You know, if it's, you know, once every three months or once every six months, it needs to be done, you know, and not even just at the hospital level, even local, you know, smaller businesses need to do something like that.
0: Real quick, all the IT guys in the room who have applied a patch to a server and had that server not come back online, raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> for those who aren't looking at video that's all of us um so again this i just want to make sure we're looking at all angles of this because i don't want to make anybody the villain we can point at the it guys who didn't do their job right we can point at the administrators who are you know looking at a different agenda um all of these things weigh into decisions that are made and sometimes those decisions work it's like trying to you know uh armchair quarterback, right? You're looking at at the replay um and saying, well, I would have mm-hmm. done this. Well, of course you would have because you have the you, you know like you have the proverbial crystal ball right now. Um but the ones making these decisions, they don't always we assume bad things aren't going to happen, right? That's really the problem here. So okay, that high horse, uh, I'm gonna step down off the soapbox. Go on, Brad. <laughs> what, what, what else we got here?
1: Well, we were going to talk a little bit about, you know, because we don't know exactly what happened and this information wasn't released. And I'm going to go into my own little soapbox here. You know, when information isn't being released on how a hack occurred. Right. These are these. And and I'm going to say this gently. These are doctors like maybe not the people running the organization, but like, you know. In in a medical environment, when when an accident occurs, when a problem occurs, they do a form of debrief to identify what went wrong and what could we change to make sure it never happens again. And then they release that information to the wider medical community so that all doctors can learn from that mistake and they don't have to make the same mistake. In this case here, we have no idea what happened, how it happened, how they got in, how they were able to infiltrate, what are the, the ins and outs. And so as IT providers, we have no idea how to protect for that type of attack specifically because nobody's sharing that information. And in a lot of cases, they don't share the information because they're afraid of being looked at as incompetent. Well, it's even more incompetent not to share that information, right? We need to know what other people are doing and missing so, we can all learn.
0: Let me clarify just a little bit so that we don't <laughs> get too stupid here. When you say we have no idea, I'm going to rein that in and I'm going right. to say that. Right. Well, let me finish. Let me finish. You're, you, you said all the things I would have said. Um, but as I'm listening to it, we have a really good idea, but in the moment, and this is kind of what I set you up for failure, saying, in the right. moment, we don't know. With all the intricate details of every situation, we, we don't have any idea. But what we want to take away from this is we can, in almost every one of these breaches, there are similarities that we can take those. We call them industry standards, best practices, whatever, um, and we can put those in place, and we can stop almost all of these attacks. Correct. Almost all of them, right?
2: And if if I could add something to what you guys are saying, you know, in our episode eight, we we went over the MGM uh, breach, and we yeah. learned that this the the way that breach happened wasn't a typical breach. It was a hacker right. that called the help desk, and then the help desk person then For let the hacker engineering. in yeah now that is not a typical everyday hack but what we learned because they released how it happened we learned like listen as it experts we need to take certain precautions we need to make sure when somebody calls in the help desk and asks for a password reset if you don't if you're not a hundred percent sure who this person is because you have not speaking spoken to him before you need to take these proper precautions. You need to either, call, you know, hang up with them and call the office back, dial his extension, make sure he picks up, or if you have, you know, the uh, cell phone on file, you know, you text them the code and stuff like that. There are certain things that we've learned from the way the breach happened that we then pivot accordingly. In this situation, we didn't really—they weren't—they didn't release how it happened. So as experts, we're going to do an educated guess of how we thought something like this can typically happen, correct? Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, Correct. We do know a couple of things. So what we do know is that the group that allegedly attacked them and got into their system um, were in there for a week before launching the attack and that their claims, and again, this is the criminal's claims, so take it for what it is, uh, they claim that a lot of the passwords were similar across all of the systems, um, which made them vulnerable, and uh, in their from their perspective it was once they got in the network is almost completely transparent they can go pretty much anywhere and any uh, anywhere on that system so we do know those things but we can take educated guesses and i'll refer back to my colleagues here to go over some of those educated guesses as to how it could have happened
0: real quick on um that information that you just shared
1: where where did we get that from
2: Um, It was from a
1: news article. Um, It was CBC, um, a CBC news article. Um, um, I can certainly um, give you the the link to share. um, Well, no, and I'm just I'm
0: just curious. Um, the hackers so, are, are, are claiming this. How do we know? Do, do they publicly they they came forward. humiliate? And they're like, hey, it was me. I did it. And here's how I did it. Is that? Yeah. Is so that you're saying? this
1: particular group came forward. And I won't mention their name because a lot of these people love the kudos and they love the the, uh, yeah, the attention. Yeah. So, you know, this particular group came forward and took um, they, they admitted it was them now, whether it was them or not, and they were just looking for, you know, the glorification or, or whatever, but they, they claim it was them. And we have no reason to believe otherwise, um, uh, that they're the ones who took over the system. And then that, those are, that's what they released to the public. Um, okay. why I have no idea. Again, they love, they love like the attention. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mario, were you going to say something?
2: Uh, No, I was pretty much just going to clarify, like by having that same password on multiple systems, it's equivalent to like having a master key in an apartment building, you know, like the super, you know, if he if his key can open up multiple apartments, he can go anywhere. And when by going anywhere in that building or on that network, he's they're able they get free range to do whatever they want.
0: Well, and so this is a great example of. You know, I'm I'm constantly referring to best practices, right? Best practices. You do not share passwords, right? Um, and that sounds great on paper until you're an overworked, undertrained, underpaid, uh, no vacation schmuck who's responsible for security because your boss just came to you one day and said, "Oh, by the way, I don't want to ever get hacked, uh, Make that happen, right?" So the the reality of having a different, a unique password on a local admin password on each workstation without a tool. To do it manually, uh, somebody take that on. How how realistic is that, Brian
1: Mario? Oh, n- not n- unless you have a tool that will help you do it. It's difficult when I mean, we do, but if you don't, yeah. you're not doing it.
0: Yeah, short of having a tool that automates it.
2: But. Yeah, you won't be able to unless, like, you're you're you come up with your own like way of of do, either putting a, a sticker like a, a of like a number on the computer and having a combination of different things, or just walking around with a big Excel sheet. You know, like you, you you're really not going to be able to to create a unique password for for all systems, especially thousands of computers across five different hospitals
1: there are and there are tools that are available for it um there are uh, that, which that, is why that, i specified will, without yes. a tool yeah that yeah. will document the passwords as well but then the dichotomy there is that that password or that tool the the key. now becomes a security risk so you then you have to make sure right. that's locked down Really, really well.
0: There's no perfect solution, solution, right? We can agree on that. This is all a matter of taking making a best effort, not being the low hanging fruit, whatever. And the reason I kind of make this point, um, one of the things that's the most frustrating to me when I'm working with prospects is and I just had the conversation this morning with a guy who is the IT uh for his company of 50 employees, so not a huge company, but big enough company. And he's the director of IT, which is his title. Um, he's also like everything else in that company. He wears 100 different hats and you know he's looking, God bless him, because he's looking for help to not have to do this anymore. But right now, today, holy shit, if I go into that network and do an audit, <laughs> it's gonna be a mess, right? Um, because one guy who's wearing multiple hats, Without all the tools that we're talking about, it can't be done. This is not a DIY scenario. Right? For everybody listening, if you're, if you're the guy um, and you don't have specialized training and specialized tools, get out, like go work somewhere else. Because um, you know, somebody's going to point the finger at you. We're talking about lawsuits here. Who all's going to be named in that lawsuit? I mean, we don't know, but we can sure guess. And, and it'll be the guys at the top, but it's also going to be the people who uh, were responsible, even if it's just on paper, to do this stuff. Even if they weren't given the budget, even if they weren't given the resources to do it, if it's their job, somebody's coming after them, right? So yes. – um, if I
2: could add add something, uh, you know, we have those tools and we've locked them down. But it's, uh, you know, and I'm sure you guys, you know, as well as us, we have multiple layers to those tools. Like, mm-hmm. you know, our 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 toolset. You can't can you can't you can log into our system unless you're using our VP uh, our sorry our IP address in our building or VPN into our building and use it. Like if somebody's from the outside, tries to log into our RMM, you can't, you can't use it. So not only do you have to have the tools, and you have to have it protected, but you have to have different layers protecting those things too. And once you log in, you need two-factor authentication. So now you need a VPN, you need the username, you need the password, and then you need you need to also um, have the two-factor authentication. You know, okay, so there's like multiple it. layers.
0: I like to tell my clients and my employees that if security isn't a giant pain in your ass, it's not being done right. And it sucks, but I'm just telling I you, like if it. it is not a pain in your ass, then you, you are about to have some problems. So yeah. um, deal with the small problem now of the 2FA, you know, multi-factor authentication you just mentioned and various other things that we have to do hoops we have to jump through um but we we always want to be in compliance with the best best practices right so um what else do we have brian as far as the 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 reasons the how this happened
1: well we don't have anything else we can the only thing we can do now is just you know, go through likely scenarios. Um, so I'll go through a couple of them and then maybe you guys can, you know, jump in with your, some of your knowledge. Um, likely, could be, maybe, uh, social engineering. Uh, maybe they they reached out to somebody um, at the hospital uh, who was in the service department. You know, we don't know. Um, they may have just known an employee at the place and, and were able to hack their password. Maybe they saved the password on some website somewhere. Um, you know, two very likely scenarios, um, email maybe.
2: Yeah. And, um, we were talking about this earlier, like, I know I visited, um, you know, relatives that were in the hospital and we're sitting there and, um, next to their bed and the nurse comes in to look up something in their chart or give them medicine and they log into the computer, at least hospitals by me, there's a computer in every room and Mm -hmm. they they have in, in the system where it would automatically lock them out after say five minutes if they, if they're idle, but I've seen that, you know, I saw with my own eyes, the nurse will come in, log in, do whatever she needs to do. And then she just walked away, uh, and left the computer unguarded for, you know, the, before it locked. Now, obviously I wouldn't do something like that, but you know, if somebody is malicious and, or knows something, you know, maybe there's a award, you know, or reward for, you know, doing this, they could have put in a USB key into that computer and gave the hackers access right there.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll pivot on, well, I'm gonna um, go off of that and say that one of the best things, one of the most important things that we can do in the world of security is educate our users because no matter what we put into place in the technology, all it takes is one silly mistake like that to undo everything
1: doesn't even have to and, be and, malicious and, either they could be right. oops, i didn't realize it
0: right so that that ongoing education is is critical it's boring as hell nobody wants to do it nobody has time for it um, but we also don't have time for these massive breaches either right
1: so you have time to um, do it once but not twice
0: <laughs> yeah or i've heard it said well, there's never time to do it right but always time to do it over you know so yeah. um take a minute and educate your people um, and and then culture is another thing that I like to talk about is um, if we we have to not just force security on people but reward them for it, you know find a way to make this something that is uh, there's there's a carrot versus a stick use a stick if you have to but um, find ways to. To reward to acknowledge um hey i don't care give them a starbucks gift card every time they say hey i saw this little uh thing that could be a problem but find a way to get that information from the front line up to the ones who are making the decisions so that they have more information to work with um um, what else do we have as far as i mean we kind of went over likely scenarios is there
2: anything else that you guys want to talk about there we've covered most of it. Just, you know, mistakes happen. Uh, You know, people, it could have been just a click in an email. Um, It happens, you know. Um, And, you know, it it could have been somebody that they know that got breached and, you know, the email looks like it's from a legitimate source and, you know, know, they click on something. Uh, It could have been, you know, somebody in the HR department that, you know, received an email like, please see my attached, you know, yeah, uh termination papers or something they click on it you know because they look legitimate um, it's and it, the important thing is to have the tools in place in case somebody actually does do a mis- make a mistake. like you don't want to take down an entire infrastructure with one click. So if somebody does accidentally click you want to have it have those security tools thereafter that can stop it. You know like you know lock down the computer have uh you know a security operation center monitoring and shut down that system or isolate it. it you know you can't you know educating is is the first step you're 90 percent there if you if you educate your employees but you know, the other 10% is what happens if this, if they do click sure. or yeah. they do whatever. So it, it's, uh, there's multiple layers and we we tell our customers all the time, we don't, ju- we don't take security. We don't just put one tool in place. We stack them up. It's an entire security stack. This happens, then what's the next level? What's the next level? What's the next level? Last resort is to restore from backup.
0: Well, on top of that, Mario is so number one, you're right, it's multi-layered.
2: We have to hit this
0: from from multiple angles, and number two, the approach changes all the time. My my security stack today, uh, my tool set today, is completely different than it was a few years ago. Um, you know, and it, it might change on a quarterly basis. It sure changes on an annual basis. Um, and so, you know, back to my point that this is not a DIY, a do it yourself scenario. If you're not living in this world, you're you're you just got you're asking for problems. And my my personal reason for doing this podcast is to keep me sharp. So I wanna go out. I want to have, well, you know, on my calendar, I've got to go out and I've got to dig into a breach and I've got to look at it. I'm gonna to try to figure out what happened. I've got to try to figure out what could have done to prevent it. And I've got to try to figure out how to fix my own shit, by the way, so that <laughs> I'm not the one somebody else is breaking down on their podcast. Right. Right, right. If, if people are gonna pay me to protect them Damn, I want to make sure I'm on my game, um, and so I'm. I'm gonna pivot now. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, and I'm gonna say like the number one thing that this hospital could have done, in my opinion, or that anybody could do, that myself included, does do, is getting another set of eyes on. The security measures. So, um, I live and breathe this every day. I lose sleep over it every single night. I do this podcast with you guys every single week. I've got, you know, emails coming in with articles I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm learning. I'm always here. And I still, am not convinced I know what I'm doing. Right. So I still want somebody else to come in and audit my work and point out my, my flaws. Um, and that's, that's our offer for everybody listening today is, you know, the, the company we all, Coincidentally, do use um, a third party to review our own work, right? And I believe we all have the – yeah, we said this last week. We all have the ability to do that for our clients as well. So um, mm-hmm. that that is the standing offer. Uh, it is limited. You know, It takes time. It takes resources. So we don't have these available to everybody. First come, first serve, uh, or at least get in line. Um, but reach out to us, and we can put not just our eyes on your network and your security, but we actually get – RIs plus this third-party review company that we use to to back us up as we're backing you up. The the worst thing you can do is not know where your blind spots are. Yep. Any final thoughts on that, guys?
1: We took the words out of my mouth.
2: <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And you know, we we we've known each other for a while. We meet each other. You know, we we're meeting on a weekly basis and we're always bouncing, you know, ideas and tools off each other and mentioning different things. So we're constantly learning and adding and learning from each other as well. Right.
1: Ironically, so are the criminals. I'm sure they're getting together once oh, a week yeah. and you know, figuring <laughs> yeah, out how absolutely. to improve their business, quote unquote. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, they're 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 playing for keeps. This isn't a game to them. You know, this is their business, it's their livelihood. And it's it's disgusting, but it is what they do. Uh, and we've got to do better. You know. Yeah
2: and and these guys these guys are not just like they're they're not just criminals they're they're terrorists when they're doing stuff like this uh-huh. yeah. uh, for for you know ill patients people that are could be possibly under deathbed they're not just trying to make a couple quick bucks they're murderers in
0: in my opinion 100% yeah absolutely but criminals are right maybe the whole uh, correctional system <laughs> that's a funny term uh, sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> full of these people who um, do intentionally harm to get gain right and that's that is what we're doing we are uh, i did not go to um it's not called law enforcement school but a criminal justice i don't have a degree in criminal justice i did not get into technology because i thought i wanted to fight crime but here we are but here we are you yeah. know yeah so so guys take us up on the offer it, it it can't hurt just get get somebody else's eyes on your system uh we are at the moment giving these away for free at some point that dries up and we do have to start charging for them uh that's first come first serve so uh best way to contact us you can go to unhacked.live that website we'll put all of our contact information on there but just so it's here on the
2: recording uh mario then brian then then i'll go let's wrap up with our contact information yeah, so uh, Mario Zaki with mastech.com or you can reach us at 973-272-2324.
1: Uh, Brian Lashbaugh with B4 Networks, that's letter B, the number four, networks with an S dot C-A, um, and you can call us at 905-346-4966.
0: All right. And I'm Justin Shelley. And like I said, my company is changing master computing, but soon to be Phoenix IT Advisors. Uh, Just put a .com on either one of those and you'll find me. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Audience, uh, Mario, Brian, always a pleasure. Uh, Look forward to a repeat next week. Take care, guys. Thank
2: Thank you guys. Bye, everybody.